When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After getting over the initial shock of learning that they're carrying multiple babies, many twin parents are anxious to find out if the babies are fraternal or identical, and if they are the same or different sexes. How can they determine what type of twins they're carrying? And are there any special concerns associated with each? I'm Dr. Sean Donishman, perinatologist at the San Diego Perinatal Center, here to talk about identifying twin types during pregnancy. This is Twin Talks, episode number seven. The ultrasound shows your babies to be healthy. What? Did you say babies? You're huge. Are you having twins? Are they natural? Which one do you like better? Twins, huh? My neighbor's cousin's brother's uncle's a twin. So can they read each other's minds? How do you tell them apart? Twins? You got a two for one. Do twins run in your family? Double trouble. You're not having any more, are you? At least you're not Octomom. If you're pregnant with twins or you're an experienced twin parent, odds are you've heard it all before. Now it's time to hear from the experts. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. Welcome to Twin Talks, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Twin Talks is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for expecting and new parents of twins. I'm your host, Christine Stewart-Fitzgerald. Have you heard about the Twin Talks Club? Our members get bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. Subscribe to our monthly Twin Talks newsletter and learn about the latest episodes available. And another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Twin Talks app, available in the Android and iTunes Marketplace. So uh, let's get started, and uh, we've got some uh, panelists here in the studio with us today. And uh, let's see, let's start with uh, Carolyn. Um, so, to tell us maybe a little bit about yourself, your twins, and um, you know, hear about you. Okay, yeah. Hi, my name is Carolyn, and I have fraternal girls, Lauren and Kyla, that are 19 months old now. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom with them, and previous to that, I was a scientist, um, and they're my only two children now. Oh, well, hey, that's that's a handful, I guess. <laughs> Definitely. So, um, and, okay, sorry, scientists, I got to ask, what, what type of uh, science? I did cancer biology and a bit of, um, like, osteoporosis studies. Oh, my gosh. So, so you know a lot of medical terminology, yes. too. Okay, well, this is this is good. We can ask you as an expert as well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, and let's see, and, and Shelly. Hi, I'm Shelly. Um, I'm a high school history teacher. I'm 30, and I have two children, identical twin boys, Grayson and Sawyer, and they are almost 15 months. Awesome. And I'm Sunny. I am actually pregnant with twin identical girls um, due December 2nd. That's our C-section date. I have two little boys at home already, Sayer, who's three years old, and Urban, who's about 17 months. And so this is going to make four. You're going to have your hands full. I gotta am. Say. I'm learning <laughs> from all of you ladies that I'm taking notes on how to do this. Right? Amazing. And I'm Christine as your host. Um, I've got uh, four-year-old identical twin girls. Um, and then I've also got uh, a another little girl, Singleton, who will be one year in a week from now. So um, all girls, like I say, I, th- I think we are done. Girls is great. <laughs> <laughs> We're happy. <laughs> We have our annoying comments from Twin Mom section today, and this one comes from Melissa in Texas. She says, I have a 12-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 3-year-old, and 18-month-old identical sons. 
When people say, I don't know how you do it, I usually respond with, I have a glass or two of wine after they all go to bed. The most annoying comment I hear doesn't come from a stranger, though. Whenever my mother-in-law sees the twins, she always asks which is which. When I tell her, her response is always, are you sure? Uh, hello, I think I know my own children. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. So today's topic is identifying twin types during pregnancy. We're talking with Dr. Sean Danishmund, a perinatologist and an expert in maternal fetal medicine. Um, and as part of his practice, he often helps pregnant twin moms diagnose their twins type and uh, helps them manage a healthy pregnancy. So thanks for joining us, Dr. Danishmund. Thanks for having me. Well, this is great. So we talked in an earlier episode about just kind of the, the science behind twins. And so now, you know, let's just say we, we come and we, we see you and um, we want to know, um, are our twins uh, identical or fraternal? And, and how do they, how do doctors um, know if the developing twins are fraternal or identical? So the best way to diagnose uh, twins, obviously, as we talked about previously, is by doing an ultrasound. Fraternal versus identical. So fraternal or dizygotic twins is ovulation and fertilization of two separate oocytes. And identical or monozygotic is uh fertilization and ovulation or ovulation and fertilization of uh, one oocyte and then divides. What's really important, Christine, is identifying whether there are two placentas or one placenta in, in a twin gestation. So about one-third of identical twins can have two separate placentas. So it's not really that important whether they're identical or fraternal while they're pregnant. We can obviously determine that after the babies are born, but what's really important and what changes the management of the pregnancy is the number of placentas. Okay. And that can be determined by ultrasound. And the earlier the ultrasound, the the better it is for us to be able to identify that. You're saying that the placenta is the main factor. So it's not so important if they share the same sac. So that's also important. So in if they're um, if they have two separate placentas, they will have two separate sacs. If they have one placenta in identical twins, then the, one percent of the time they may be in one sac mm -hmm. and that carries a high risk so that's called monochorionic so one placenta monoamniotic one amniotic sac mm -hmm. and those babies are at a higher risk of passing away and if one baby passes away this is due to cord entanglement so if 100 percent of the time the cords are entangled because they're swimming around in the same sac mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so what's what's important is to um to admit these patients a little bit earlier. So these moms, these wonderful moms come in what, 24 weeks, 26 weeks, 28 weeks, depending on their discussions with their doctor and the neonatologist, depending on how early they want intervention. Some parents say, 24 weeks, I want everything done. You're in the hospital at 24 weeks. Mm. Some parents say, I want it at 26 weeks. So, mm -hmm. And then delivery is anywhere between 32 to 34 weeks with those babies. So that's 1% of all uh, identical twins or monozygotic twins. But when fraternal twins, always two separate placentas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it sounds like it's pretty obvious for fraternal twins because there's the two two sacs, yes. two, two placenta. So and, and one third of monozygotic identical twins, still two, two separate placentas. Okay. So now if, if you're performing uh, an ultrasound and you see there's, there's two sacs and two placentas, um, so then, but we still don't know if it's 
identical or if it's fraternal. I know, like in my case, um, unless I they're was different told, sexes, they're, yeah. this are different sexes. Right. If you can, t- if the sexes are different, then you know they're fraternal. Okay. But if they're the same sex, yeah, you're right. You can't tell the mom 100. These are uh, fraternal. And usually, the sex, in, unless it's, I mean, if it's done via ultrasound, that's done in what the 26 or what? What? What's the time period? As far as being able to tell the sex, yes. I mean, early on, I mean, we can tell the sex maybe as early as, I mean, sometimes 13 weeks, 14, 15 weeks, we can be able to tell the gender. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? And so he I had mine else? at um, 18 weeks. So I had a similar situation. I had um, two separate placentas, two separate sacs. We figured fraternal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had my, they call it the anatomy scan, make sure everything's all in one place. And they said ideally between 18 and 22 weeks mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is when they have enough room to see right. everything and right. they're developed enough. So mine was right at 18 weeks um, and they were able to tell us that they were both boys, mm-hmm. which then kind of in the back of my mind, right. I was thinking, well, I guess they could be identical. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But but it sounds like at that point they said, well, they're boys, but you still didn't know if they were fraternal no, or No, we had no idea um, yeah. until... Um, after I delivered and they had the same blood type, um, which we only found out because of ABO incompatibility. They normally don't blood type babies unless there's a reason to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with the same blood type and two babies who looked exactly the same, we thought (laughs) maybe we should check this out. So we actually had private genetic testing done um, when the boys were about four months old. Yeah. So when you see a a wonderful mom early on in the pregnancy, you look for uh, several several signs. One is you want to see a dividing membrane. Mm-hmm. When the, when they're earlier on, you can see that much much more clearly than when the when the babies are older. The membranes become much thinner. So you want to see in two separate placentas. You want to see something called the lambda sign or a twin peak sign. That's when the fusion of the two placentas. So you kind of see this triangular shape with the divide with the dividing membrane extending from there. Uh, so that's one sign of two separate placentas. Mm-hmm. Again, forget about fraternal or identical. Think about plus number of placentas. Okay. So that means two separate placentas. Also, the thickness of the membrane is something we look at. Anywhere between 15 millimeters to 2 millimeters and thickness is con- is more likely that this is uh, uh, two separate placentas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, again, really the gender, but that's a little bit later on. But those two those two signs are very important. The thickness of the membrane and that lambda sign. If it's a one, one placenta with two separate sacs, there's something called a T sign. It's basically uh, the placenta, and then you get a... Um, you get this um, extension of the membrane right from the placenta. So you don't have that lambda sign or the twin peak sign that we look for. So there are sonographic features that we look for to identify whether there's two placentas or one placentas, which, mm-hmm. as we talked about earlier in episode one, determines how these uh, how we're going to manage these angels. Okay. So then, so you're looking at the, the sonogram, and then you see that there are, let's say there's two placentas and um, two... Um, Sacks, but at that point we still don't know fraternal identity. I guess, and, right. and I think that's probably maybe it sounds like from a, from a medical practitioner that's really not right. so important. Right. But then the parents are still dying to know. They'd like to know. You would think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. They, you? Well, yeah, I mean, it was for us. It was. Right. We right. we did want to know. Um, and the the main reason I was concerned is like we had talked about in that other episode. If you have fraternal twins, then your chance of having fraternal twins is high again. Right. Um, and so I kind of wanted to be prepared for that. But also, you you want to be able to answer questions. I mean, I spent the first three months of their life. People would say, "Are they identical?" Or fraternal and I would have to say I didn't know and then people look at you like (laughs) Like you're like they give you a side eye like why don't you know about your own children and so for us it was just more um you know just we wanted to we wanted to know so we could tell people yes these are our identical twins um but also going forward we you know in in the event that one would have something like if they ended up having some kind of genetic condition then we would automatically know that the other one had you know kind of a same situation so it helps a little for their medical history um 
And also in terms of just like how you look at raising them. I mean, when you have twins that are virtually the same, you have to just different challenges, I think. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we had, you know, two placentas, two sacs. We assumed they were fraternal. But then when we went into the hospital, we brought nail polish. You know, how are we going to paint their toes? <laughs> right. out they're different. And then when my girls were born, they were a pound different and looked nothing alike and have continued to look nothing yeah. alike. So now one has brown eyes, one has blue eyes. So, you know, we, yeah. we, did have some genetic testing done because they were part of a vision study at UCSD and of course it came back they were fraternal so yeah, no surprise. Mine were within two ounces of each other um, so we had two six pound babies who looked exactly like and we oh. did paint their toenails. Um, <laughs> for me it took it took me about a week and then I was able to tell them apart um, they had a, a bigger size difference after coming home like six or seven ounces um, took my husband about three weeks that we had the nail polish on them to tell them apart and um, <laughs> and we have family members that still can't tell them apart. <laughs> yeah, we, we knew right away um, when they, you know, and Dr. D kind of alluded to this earlier, and that is, you know, we found out when we were um, 14 weeks pregnant that they were twins. And they told us, like, right after they said you're having twins, and that was the first question that came out of my mouth was, are they identical? And she said, well, let me look. And and then I later learned that, you know, because I was still early on in the pregnancy that they could, you know, see the placenta and everything much more clear. In, in um, you know, about a month later, I had another ultrasound and I, because I wanted to know if they were in separate sacks or not because they didn't tell me that. Mm. And I didn't know to ask. Right. 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 <laughs> and so about a month later, I'm doing all this research online and I'm like, well, are they in the separate sacks or is it the same sack? And, you know, what does all that mean? And then it was really hard for them to tell um, at that time because the sacks had become so um, thin. So so how would uh, you know if, if they're fraternal? I mean, are, are there any types of testing, um, you know, during the pregnancy that you can perform to find out? Um, I mean, you could, but it, it's invasive testing. So mm-hmm. it's best, you know, mostly it's done after, after the babies are born. So mm-hmm. during the, obviously it's important to know if they're fraternal or identical, uh, like uh, Shelly mentioned. But as far as the management of the pregnancy, really it boils down to the number of placentas and sacs. So, I mean, you know, during the pregnancies, I mean, is there any reason that parents should know? Are there any medical reasons that that it would be important to know if they're um, mono or diazygoic? Well, I, you know, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, in, in, if you wanted to do invasive testing, let's say one of the babies, for example, has some sort of a congenital abnormality, let's say has a heart defect, mm-hmm. and it'll be important to know that that's why, since we're not 100% sure if they're identical, and they've, let's say they've had, they have two placentas, mm-hmm. since you're not 100% sure if they're identical or fraternal, then you want to you want to do an amniocentesis on both sacs, on both babies. And mm-hmm. amniocentesis, as everyone knows, is drawing some fluid from the... Uh, from the sac and testing the chromosomes, testing the uh, the fetal DNA. Uh, so because of that reason, we tap both. We don't just assume. Right, so. right. And so, so when they're doing, I mean, can also genetics is mm-hmm. is that a factor? I know sometimes um, parents go through um, genetic counseling, and again, if there's there's two babies, and let's say they maybe they appear like they're fine, but it sounds like you'd probably want to test both of them or, you know, how does that play in? Genetic counseling or preconception counseling is very important. Mm -hmm. So obviously going through the family history, going through the personal history, all those things, anything we can alter, going through diet, you know, your folic acid intake, those things are extremely important. And right now, everyone is offered 
non-invasive testing and if they want invasive testing. So that term of advanced maternal age is really no longer used because everyone's offered Yay. these tests. <laughs> yeah. But we talked about in twins as, you know, for example, in singletons, 35 years of age, you know, and in twins, 31 to 33 actually years of age is considered advanced maternal age because you're carrying two. So, um, and when, when a wonderful mom is pregnant with twins, everyone is offered a nuchal translucency screen, and that's looking behind the baby's neck between the skin and the soft tissue. And that is also associated with a blood test, something uh, to two uh, biochemical screenings that we do called PAPA or pregnancy-associated plasma protein A and human carinic gonadotropin. So those, those, that blood work, along with the measurement behind our baby's neck, the mom's age, and the baby's sizes mm-hmm. give us an odds risk, for example, for the most common uh, abnormality, Down syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, which is the most difficult to diagnose as well in, on ultrasound. So mm-hmm. most of the trisomies or um, more common ones are easier to diagnose because more than 90% of the time babies have other abnormalities rather than just a one quote-unquote soft marker Mm -hmm. that raises a suspicion for it. But Down syndrome in about 50% of babies, if we have 100 moms with babies with Down syndrome, we'll miss 50 of those babies. We'll say everything looks normal on ultrasound. So these screening tests are really designed to identify, to um, help better identify which moms may be at risk for having babies uh, those angels with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So one is a nuchal translucency screen, and then the second one that is a second trimester screening test, which again goes through another, that's a blood test, not mm-hmm. associated with an ultrasound. Okay. And those results get combined and we get results. Then there's now non-invasive testing as well. There are different competing companies such as Harmony or Maternity 21, part of Sequinom. And these companies um, aren't basically looking for fetal DNA in maternal blood. That uh, The data is still not very strong with multiples, um, but very strong in um, high-risk uh, women. Um, and then there's genetic, there's invasive testing, which mm-hmm. is chorionic villa sampling, which is done in the first trimester, uh, either vaginally or transabdominally, and amniocentesis. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and are, are there, I mean, greater risks, you know, in doing those types of invasive uh, Yeah, with for, multiples, for multiples? multiples, there's a higher risk, for example, with an amnio, it's a 2.5% risk of potentially losing the pregnancy, mm-hmm. the entire pregnancy. So definitely, you know, so many of the women that we see in our practice, since we do more high risk, it are patients that come in from, you know, infertility doctors' offices. And so sometimes these patients have already had uh, pre-implantation genetic testing. Mm-hmm. So they already know for the most common chromosome abnormalities if these pumpkins have any, uh, at least more more of the common ones. Uh, so that kind of eases our mind. Let's, you know, the previous panelist that was here, for example, said that she had a triplet pregnancy but one of them didn't take and she didn't know that until after delivery so that for example would skew the numbers if she had non-invasive testing okay so the hormone levels would be off right right okay let's see here we're going to take a break right now and when we come back we're going to talk about the reasons that it may be important to diagnose which type of twins you're carrying or you know better understand you know what options you have during the pregnancy Welcome back. Today we're talking about identifying twin types during pregnancy with uh, Sean Donishmund, and our discussion continues as we look at some of the factors that may cause women to conceive twins. And in the case of higher order multiples, um, is it important to know their twin type? For the parents, we all want to know, and I guess we're going to continue the discussion that uh, from a medical perspective, you know, is do we do how important is it to know, and, and particularly in the type of care 
the pre- prenatal care that we're getting. You're fabulous. No, I completely understand that. I think, you know, and that's a question that always, you know, parents ask, you know, are they identical or are they fraternal? Again, as far as the management of the pregnancy, whether they're fraternal or identical, it really boils down to the number of placentas. Mm-hmm. That's how, that's where complications begin. And there, you know, if... Like Sunny, for example, these angels have one placenta in separate sacs, but many times these babies share blood amongst one another because they're sharing the same placenta. Mm-hmm. And uh, But in 10 to 15% of the time, they can have one of the most, uh, unfortunately, um, bad complications with uh, monozygotic twins mm-hmm. or monochorionic twins, which is, and those babies are identical, um, which is called twin, twin transfusion syndrome. There are other abnormalities as well, but that's the one that we fear about the most, and uh, depending on how early that's diagnosed, then um, uh, the prognosis can change, can vary. So if they're diagnosed very early in the pregnancy, then these babies most likely are going to require surgery, so a fetal laser surgery, uh, to basically um, burn, for example, those communicating vessels, because mm-hmm. these are communicating vessels where one baby is given a lot more blood to the other than it's receiving back. So one angel gets so much blood that this uh, this baby just puffs up and gets bigger and pees a lot more. And so there's a lot more fluid. There's a lot. The bladder is much larger. And this baby is just so much puffier. And the other one is called stuck twin because all of a sudden this baby's not peeing as much more mm. because it's given a lot of blood supply to the other mm-hmm. uh, angel. is not growing as well. And, um, and so kind of gets stuck in the corner of a uterus. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's why it's important. And again, when, when you have one placenta, you can just imagine there is going to be a higher chance risk for one of them not growing as well. So mm-hmm. you're worried about growth restriction issues. You're worried about twin-twin transfusion. Mm-hmm. So you also have an increased risk for congenital abnormalities. With one placenta, um, the risk of congenital abnormalities goes up, but mainly really it's heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talked about earlier in the earlier episode, we do an echocardiogram on all these beautiful on, babies on the babies yeah. monitoring those babies so let's say they share either um a placenta since that seems to be the, the most critical factor That's the there most critical factor. so for in, in terms of the, the care what is that care i mean let's just say we haven't seen any uh high risks yet but but what does the how does the care differ when once you've um diagnosed that they do share either a placenta or or a sac Okay, so if there if there's monochorionic, so monochorionic one placenta, then these babies get monitored every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So once we see them, they get scheduled for a nuchal translucency screen. Uh, that's again looking behind the baby's necks. That's also a screening factor for cardiac defects. Um, then they get their anatomy scan. But starting at 16 weeks, we start looking at these angels, mm-hmm. looking at the anatomy from head to toe. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at 22 weeks, they get a uh, echocardiogram to take a look at their hearts. And then after that, every two weeks, we look for again signs of twin-twin transfusion, mm-hmm. which is again one not much fluid, smaller; the other one much bigger. Fluid increases. No bladder versus bladder, a larger bladder. We look for um, growth restriction mm-hmm. uh, as well. So every two weeks they have an ultrasound. Once they reach about 32 to 34 weeks of gestation, they start going through the non-stress test, which is, you know, they sit on these recliners and basically it's a lot of work. My yeah. goodness. I know they come in twice a week, monitor the baby's heartbeats and, uh, and look at the amniotic fluid. Now with two separate placentas though, uh, we don't do that as intensely. Mm. So every four weeks. So not weeks. as frequent. So no, four-week ultrasounds. Four-week ultrasounds. Okay. But, weeks. you know, the biggest issue is, again, educating parents about uh, signs and symptoms of preterm labor. Mm-hmm. So every four weeks when they come in, I mean, if if they if we need to sooner, obviously we will. But if they're stable, they're doing well, like Shelly was, you know, we look at their cervix every four weeks, look at the baby's growths, and those babies 
do very well. Mm-hmm. So now they do have a higher risk of developing diabetes. They do have a higher risk of developing hypertension, such as just gestational hypertension or preeclampsia. So we do watch those. I mean, I tell my parents, you know, get a blood pressure monitor. Every mm-hmm. twin mm-hmm. mom, I tell them, get a blood pressure monitor starting at 20 weeks, just check your blood pressure. I tell them, go on a low-sodium diet. I mean, I talk about diet. I talk about their uh, vitamin intake. Um, and uh, so be more proactive. Yeah, in, in the monitoring. Somebody from our panelists, um, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, your experience. Yeah, I was say, so I was one of those people that always had high blood pressure anytime I went to the doctor, just from the fear of everything. We'd had a miscarriage previously, so, you know, going in, we were so nervous that it was sky high, so I did exactly that. I bought a blood pressure monitor and tracked it morning and night, and um, that was how we caught. I ended up developing preeclampsia, and I caught it at home. You know, your blood pressure suddenly one week is 10 points higher, and then the next week another 10 points higher, mm. and um, so brought, you know, my little book every time I went into the doctor to show them, and, you know, they sent me down. I ended up being on bed rest in the hospital for a couple of weeks before developing HELP syndrome, and then delivering the girls early. But, you know, tracking the, you know, tracking my blood pressure at home made me feel a lot more confident that everything was going okay. And the doctors felt better too, knowing that, you know, it was just my nerves coming in to the doctor and not something else until it did become a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent because that's what happens. You know, the patient comes in and their blood pressure is elevated and uh, they've been checking their pressures. And they're like, you know, in the past four days, it has been creeping up. Take a look. So it definitely helps. Mm-hmm. My husband that's got good. high blood pressure when I was <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> is that because he knew the twins were coming? Because that, um, that may be my husband right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> no, um, I monitored and I, I would have the every four weeks appointment um, and I have like textbook perfect blood pressure. Um, I did anytime that I would get swollen um, because I did develop really like some abnormal swelling. Um, my legs would get like really big oh, and gosh. at one point they were like, <laughs> yes. like almost purple looking. Um, so anytime that I would get that, my husband would make me go over to um, the pharmacy and use the blood pressure cup there. It's not the most accurate, but you know, at least it gave us an idea if it was, and it was always super, super low. So I just had, you know, kind of abnormal swelling. Um, and then the, just monitoring like how you were feeling and not being afraid to go in, especially with a twin pregnancy. Um, I uh, like almost passed out um, at an indoor mall. Ooh, um, wow. And it was just from, you know, not being dehydrated and not, you How know, trying to do too you? much. Do oh, that? goodness. 28, I want to say. Oh. Yeah, 28 weeks. Just I wasn't I wasn't keeping enough food and water in my system. Um, and then the same thing, too, with twins. You're at such high risk for preterm labor. Um, you want to really be aware of you know, baby movement and any contractions. Um, and I went twice to labor and delivery um, with increased contractions. And, you know, they just gave me water. I laid down for three hours. It was fine. And they sent me home. But, you know, just a lot of women with a singleton, low-risk pregnancy, if you're having, you know, Braxton Hicks, it's really not that big of a deal. But with a twin pregnancy, it's you really have to be more I hated the idea of going in and having them just send me home. And when I got to the hospital the first time, they said, no, we would love to send you home. Yeah. Like our favorite kind right. of patient is one that comes in and gets sent straight home. Yeah. <laughs> we wish that you guys would come in more. So, yeah, just being aware of. You want, yeah. I, I, I think that's just great advice just, you know, to be, you know, watching and sensitive to different changes. Um, I know in my case, um, so I have, I mean, I have identical girls, but we didn't know they were identical. We thought they were fraternal. And so I was getting just the, the, the monthly uh, you know, ultrasounds. Well, I was, I would go to my OB, 
Um, and then two weeks later, I'd go to the perinatal center and then get the detailed ultrasound. And then two weeks later, so it, it did end up being um, every every two weeks. So a lot of, a lot of coverage. Yeah, it does come yeah. out that we did the same thing. We'd go to fetal genetics and testing for the ultrasound. And then a week later, I would see my OB and he would go over it with me. And then two weeks back to fetal genetics and a week later see my OB so I've got a stack of ultrasounds I mean, it's like <laughs> four inches thick that's how they originally scheduled me and then when um when I started seeing the perinatologist she said you don't need to do all those other ultrasounds I'm testing you every two weeks so it doesn't it doesn't matter so then I got to cancel all of those yeah. Woohoo. yeah well I still go every two weeks I don't know <laughs> if yeah. I really got out of anything but, but yeah it's definitely yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of testing I think compared to a singleton pregnancy yeah, yeah. we all know that it's it's much more common to have twins earlier as far as the overall gestation period. Um, Now, having a, okay, and I'm always, you know, trying to say this correctly, a uh, monochorionic or a monoamniotic pair, does that affect the overall gestation period? I mean, would you have... Yes, those babies definitely get delivered sooner. So Mm -hmm. those babies are hospitalized and usually we have them meet with one of the neonatologists, have a consultation as far as, okay, what are the complications associated with preterm delivery at 24 weeks, at 25, at 26 weeks? And parents make a decision. They say, you know what? We want to do everything possible. If you see decelerations in the baby's heart rates while you monitor these angels, then we want to get delivered at 24 weeks at the stage of viability. And so those patients get hospitalized at 24 weeks. If a mom says, we're not going to do anything, I don't want any kind of intervention until 28 weeks, we hospitalize them at 28 weeks. And those babies usually get delivered by 32 to 34 weeks, depending on uh, if they're stable, usually by 34 weeks. Again, mm-hmm. the, it's the fear that something can happen, you know, without, um, you know, and the consequence is usually bad. Mm-hmm. So they get hospitalized, they get frequent monitoring, they get beta-methasone, which helps the baby's type 2 pneumocytes in their lungs um, make up surfactant or proteins that make up surfactant, which allows these babies to breathe a little bit easier when they're born. And um, and just really they're in the hospital mainly because of the fact that they're close to the NICU and they'll be close to an, uh, to an operating room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're saying, so case. the mom, so this is really... Oh it's, yeah, it's a consultation with the neonatologist and the perinatologist, and, and yes. you know they make decisions, but they're going to be hospitalized for the duration of the pregnancy. The monochorionic that's monoamniotic. Monoamniotic, so okay. in one sack, so okay. one placenta, one sack. And, and again, this is a fairly rare. One percent, yeah, one percent of yeah. all mono monozygotic placentas are are like that. Okay, or identical. <laughs> I know, so it's very, it's rare. It's rare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we don't want to say it, this is not the case for most of the, the twin no, moms no. out there. Yeah, but that's why you know always parents ask, you know, are they in the same sac? Do you see a membrane? And sometimes we see patients because you know they couldn't identify they couldn't identify a dividing membrane. It's very mm-hmm. thin, for example. Mm-hmm. So because it'll completely alter the management of the pregnancy. Yes. Okay. So this that that's good news. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks so much, Dr. Donishman, for joining us today. Uh, so for more information about identifying twin types during pregnancy, or for more information about any of our experts or panelists, visit the episode page on our website. And this conversation continues for members of our Twin Talks Club. After the show, Dr. Donishman will talk about some unusual twin pregnancies he's seen. For more information about the Twin Talks Club, visit our website, twintalks.com. Here's a question from one of our listeners. This comes from Leslie of Chicago. My husband and I just found out we were pregnant with twins. We have a singleton already, which I was able to nurse for at least nine months. But I have to say I'm quite nervous about nursing twins considering my milk supply came in a little late with my first and milk supply always seemed to be an issue. 
I know you have another series that focuses on breastfeeding, but will Twin Talks also be providing specific information about breastfeeding twins? Hey, Leslie, this is Sunny. I'm one of the producers on Twin Talks. And to answer your question, yes, we are going to be doing specific episodes focused on breastfeeding. It's a topic that's very important to all of us here at New Mommy Media. And uh, we are going to be launching a series called Breastfeeding Twins. And that's going to be coming up here shortly. The other thing that I want to let you know, too, even though it's not specifically focused on twins, is that we have a sister show called The Boob Group, which is all about breastfeeding. And it's a weekly podcast just like Twin Talks, and it's hosted by an international board-certified lactation consultant, and they have some amazing guests on that show, all of which are lactation consultants and in the industry of breastfeeding and have helped a lot of women. So that's another great resource I would point you to. The website for that is theboogroup.com. But yes, we will be having episodes focused on breastfeeding right here on Twin Talks. So that wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Twin Talks. Join in on the discussion by posting your comments on the Twin Talks Facebook page or by calling our voicemail at 619-866-4775. And don't forget to check our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, The Boob Group for Moms Who Breastfeed Their Babies, and Parent Savers, an online support group for new parents. And next week, we'll be starting our series, The Twin Baby Gear Essentials, and talk to experts about double strollers. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new mommy media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care, and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.